You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. Uh, but they rarely cry. And so, uh, but it's fun. It, is, it really is fun. I, I think I mentioned last week about baby dedications and how Jesus was really literally dedicated in the temple by Simeon. And how Simeon spoke a, a prophetic word over his life. And, uh, and I encourage you to do the same for your children and your families, for your friends. That you would speak a prophetic word over their lives as well. And so I just want you to continue, uh, continue to do that. Keep that in mind. Be mindful of praying over your families <clears throat> this time of year especially. Because we're gathering together, spending time with each other. Uh, and what a joy that is. Well, welcome. Again, welcome for those that are here, for you that are online. We're praying for you online. Uh, we know that some folks are struggling with some illnesses. We want to pray for you, and we got you. We're praying for you. We're going to continue to pray for you. Uh, Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. Blessed Nativity. What a beautiful time and a bunch of beautiful ways to say it. And so um, I love it. I love this time of year. And so what I want to do right now is uh, I want to pray and ask God's blessing on our lives and just touch our heart and, and especially make his word alive to us. I, I, uh, I really feel that just the presence of the Lord, especially as we did our drive-through this uh, last Wednesday, I don't know how many were part of that, but several hundred cars came through and it was a great testimony uh, of Jesus and the light of the world in this community. And we want to continue to shine his light. So let's do that. Father, we want to thank you today. We want to thank you for <clears throat> all that you do for us. And that your grace is sufficient. And we are so grateful. Lord, I just pray for your strength, your healing, your blessing for all of our families during this Christmas season. Lord, we lift up your name. We ask that you allow your word just to penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen. <clears throat> well, you just settled in for the evening. And for me, that means my pajamas are my favorite place on the couch. And uh, you uh, turn on the TV, you look for your favorite shows for us, that's uh, Survivor, Amazing Race, and if the Dodgers are playing, it's the Dodgers. So we do that, but we, you settle in, you relax, and the doorbell rings. Doorbell rings, and you're not quite sure who's at the door. This time of year, it may be UPS or Amazon or, or someone, but you're not quite sure who that might be. And so when you go to the front door, and for us, for Annette and I, being in the profession we're in as pastors, uh, we're not quite sure what's going to happen when we open that front door. Uh, we don't know if we're going to get good news or bad news. Uh, there have been several times where people have showed up, and they've been in a, a very difficult place in life. And so we spend time with them. What we have realized is that the bad news is usually more than the good news. And so you take time and, and you pray for people. And typically, when someone rings your doorbell, you're probably thinking, what is this all about? Now, you might not say it out loud, but you want to ask the question, what brings you here? You know, what's your point? Why are you here? Uh, you, again, don't say that out loud, but that's exactly what you're thinking. You know, the arrival of your guest is unexpected, uh, unannounced. And honestly, it, it, usually, it usually leans toward bad news. When someone shows up on your doorstep, we almost always think the worst, don't we? I mean, especially when we weren't expecting it. 2,000 years ago, that very same thing happened. There were just some working class folks minding their own business, settling in for the evening. Uh, they were expected 
an uninterrupted evening, and, and then all of a sudden, an unexpected guest shows up. An unexpected guest shows up, and from the Gospel of Luke, it tells us the nature and the emotional bent of those shepherds that were listening to the news. You see, they thought, for sure, this had to be bad news. I mean, an angel shows up, and an angel shows up in your face, <laughs> and you're thinking, this can't be good. But this is what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. In the mind of the shepherds, <clears throat> that angel that showed up only could bring bad news. That, that's really what they're thinking. You know, when angels show up in people's lives, if you go back and study scripture, you go to the Old Testament, you find out when an angel shows up, it's, it's really probably not going to be a good thing. And so the angels, the Bible says here, are absolutely terrified. Now, you need to see this for just a moment and get this picture in your head. It literally says here that the angel of the Lord stood right next to them. That's, that's, that's really what it's saying here, that when the angel of the Lord showed up, <laughs> the angel of the Lord got close to them, stood next to them. And then the angel of the Lord begins to, to speak. And so what happens here is it says they were afraid. But even more, the word goes on. It says they were mega afraid. Kind of uh, the, the kind of fear that might cause you to wet your pants. That's all I got to say. That that's the kind of fear this is talking about. That's the best way to say it. It says mega fear. It says they were trembling, that they were shaking, that they were terrified because of the angel of the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been in a position like that. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It says here, and then the tone of their visitor changes from the shepherd's thought of being bad news to being good news. Because it goes on and says in verse 10, but the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Wow. Can you imagine that? I mean, imagine this. Uh, imagine an angel coming to you, and you're thinking bad news, and you're thinking, I'm, I might die right here. And then all of a sudden, fortune changes, and you win the lottery. I mean, all of a sudden, someone's telling you, you, you won a million dollars. I mean, that's good news. And so the shepherds here all of a sudden realize what is happening is they are hearing good news from this angel. But just like our nature, even when it's good news, the questions don't stop. Uh, the questions continue probably more in their head than out loud. Why me? Why have you showed up here? Why have you come to us? Why did Jesus come for me? I'm not the best person in the world. I, I have a lot of problems. I, I'm pretty broken. Does that sound familiar? I mean, when God does something out of his wonderful grace and he, he hands it to you and you see it as good news, those questions that follow, those deferments of like, I don't know if I deserve it. And really, the answer is we don't deserve it, but God gives it anyways. God always blesses us with this good news that he's taking care of us. I, I can't count the number of times that I've heard people say that I'm doing my own thing. I'm minding my own business, not even thinking that God cared for me. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's your testimony as well. And then out of the blue, I was introduced to Jesus and he changed my life. I mean, I hear stories like this all the time, and it just blesses me. It encourages me, especially when you go to other nations that are maybe more suppressed. Uh, they're, they're darker than, than, than the environment that we live in, and, and you hear these testimonies about 
uh, individuals who were, were, were following Islam and all of a sudden Jesus shows up in their bedroom and they fall on their face and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior out of the blue. Totally, totally unexpected. And then God begins to change their lives. So why did Jesus show up? I mean, why did he bring this good news? Why is he bringing good news to us, especially this time of year where we get to to talk about it, we get to speak about it, we get to tell others about the good news. I want to look at one particular passage of scripture that isn't common for Christmas, but it definitely gives us reasons for Christmas. If you have your Bible, you can open your Bible with me to 1 Colossians chapter, or excuse me, Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 through 14, because when we look there, we're going to find and discover the reason for Christmas, the real meaning for Christmas found in this passage of scripture. I want to read it to you beginning at verse 12. It says this, and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. You see, the reason Jesus showed up on your doorstep was really to do four things for you. And that's really what Christmas is all about. If I was going to look at the heart of Christmas, and if you want to even say the theology of Christmas, I would find it right here in Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Because in these short verses, the Apostle Paul gives us four reasons why Jesus showed up, why he's given us this wonderful gift, this good news of eternal life. The first thing that Paul tells us is that Jesus came to qualify you. That's kind of an unusual word. It's not a word we use that often, but Paul says it. It's a, it's a strange term uh, to use here, qualify. And, and you, you think, what is he saying there? What's he talking about? It's interesting because qualify is really a technical term. It's a legal term. Getting more specific, it's a term they use in accounting. Uh, it doesn't seem very relational. I mean, you read this, <laughs> and you, you want Christmas to be warm and fuzzy, and I get it. So do I. But there had to be some sort of transaction that took place to get us in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Something had to happen that we had to be qualified first because on our own, we're not qualified. <clears throat> the Bible says that we're a, a long way from being qualified. We're a long way from finding God on our own. We, we can't do it. It's impossible. So something has to happen to qualify us, to bring us into the presence of God, to make us known before our Father. And that's what this says here. You've been qualified. This is the business of justification, just to use a term. This is what it is. This is the business. This is the transaction of justification. It's what makes relationship possible for us. Maybe think of it this way. Think of it as a, a marriage license. I know there's not as much weight put on a marriage license today as there used to be, but really a marriage license is, is really what, what's being said here, what's being spoken of here. If you want to think in terms of today, you're being qualified. What do you do? You go apply. I know Annette and I did that. We went down and I think when we did it, we even had that blood work done. <laughs> I think there were a lot of stuff that they made you do back then. And so that kind of tells you how long we've been married, doesn't it? But uh, we had to go and they we had to be qualified. Someone had to sign from the county. Some, there was a qualification process, and that was it. It was the marriage license. 
So when you think of salvation, when you think of Jesus Christ coming in the form of flesh, born in a manger, what he's doing before he does anything else is he's qualifying you. He's, he's, he's making you acceptable before the Father in heaven. I don't want you to skip this. This is so important for us. We don't usually talk about it at Christmas time, but it's important. Jesus stood on your behalf as your advocate. He was your attorney. He stood before the Father and he said, I'm speaking on behalf of these children. I'm speaking on behalf of these that are looking for salvation. I'm speaking on their behalf. I'm advocating for them. And by advocating for us, he is qualifying us. Again, we want to get to the warm and fuzzies first, but there was this legal work that needed to be done before the relationship was possible. And another way you can think about it, not just only a marriage license, but what about an adoption? You, you want to, uh, you, you love these kids. Maybe you, you've been a foster parent, and I've seen this. I've been, in, I've been part of a lot of adoption ceremonies. But what happens is you've got to get all that paperwork done first, don't you? You have to get it all taken care of. It has to be qualified. But boy, do you love those kids. That doesn't mean you love them any less because you have to fill out paperwork. It just means that's something you have to do to make it all work, to make it all legal. What Jesus is doing for you and me when he comes in the flesh, when that uh, unexpected visitor showed up and announced to the shepherds, there's good news. Today in Bethlehem, a child is born. You were in the process of being accepted and qualified by Jesus Christ. So here's the bottom line. When you get accepted, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. The God of all creation qualified you. He has approved you. You have passed because of him. I remember the first time Annette and I bought our, our first house. It was uh, not during a, uh, an uptime. It was during an, actually a downtime. Interest, interest rates, if you remember back in the early 80s, were ridiculous. They were 15, 16, 17% to get a mortgage. And, uh, and that was crazy, and we didn't have the money to do that. But we, we, we found a house, and we were, weren't really looking, but we found a house and the way we were qualified for that house is we met with the owners. It was a landowner contract. So you have to go, instead of through the bank, you go and you sit with those that own that house, that property. And so we did. We met with them that one night. I'll never forget that. They were former school teachers. They were retired school teachers. We had about an hour with them. And we were just praying that whole time, I hope we're qualified. <laughs> you know, I hope they accept us. I hope they approve us. Uh, we went back home, the realtor called, and he says, you have been qualified. You have been approved by those that own that property. They want to they sell it to you. You're good to go. When Jesus came, he told the Father, we're good to go. Because you've come to a place and you make confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, Jesus said, you're mine now. You're mine now. You're, you're the one that I have died for. You're mine. Jesus said, you're mine, she's mine, he's mine. They legally belong to me. I've qualified them. I love what Ephesians says. Paul says this in another place in Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. It says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we are dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. You see, we've been qualified, <clears throat> again, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus paid for it, 
that each one of us are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. You see, this is a message that you can pass on to your friends and your family. For those that don't know Jesus, this Christmas time when we gather together, let your light shine, the light of Jesus shine through you. Look for those opportunities to serve. Look for those opportunities to speak well uh, of others, to speak well of your family members and your friends, and so that your light shines. And there's an open door. There's a possibility that you're going to help someone else see the light of Jesus that you've already seen and accepted in your own life. When Jesus came from heaven to earth, he qualified you. Secondly, the Bible says here in this passage of Scripture that he claims you. In uh, verse 12, it says, you have been named an heir, that by believing in Jesus Christ, you have been given an inheritance. That's amazing. Again, something you didn't deserve, something you didn't really even expect, but it came your way, an inheritance. And, and you've been blessed by an inheritance you may not even have imagined before you came into relationship with Jesus Christ, because what he's saying to you now is everything that he has, you have. All that Jesus has, you have. So unexpected. But you have this inheritance that's yours. A few years ago, um, I found out that uh, this church had received an inheritance. Uh, hadn't expected it, didn't know it, hadn't talked about it, hadn't set it up. It was totally out of the blue. It was a surprise. Just got called by... Uh, a brother who had lost his, his brother and his wife. They attended here. They passed. And, and he called me. This surviving brother called me. And he says, where, where do you want this inheritance to go? And I said, what are you talking about? And he says, well, they left you an inheritance. And I thought to myself, I didn't know they even had anything. And he said, no, they love you guys so much they left you an inheritance. And, and we were left an inheritance. And it was out of the blue. It was a surprise. It was unexpected. And the first thing I thought to myself was make sure that this is used for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Make sure this blesses others and lets the light of Jesus shine. That's what people do who receive inheritances. Uh, they don't become prideful. They don't become, they don't flout it. They don't, they don't do any of those kinds of things. They, they take it and they humbly use it. You see, Jesus put a claim on you. Here's the deal. To receive an inheritance, my name needs to be mentioned. I mean, it has to be a direct line from the one giving it to the one receiving it. You've seen that. There's a lot of legal work today that makes sure that happens. If your name is on the will, then you're in. If your name is not on the will, you're out. I mean, just as simple as that. You have to have your name there. This is what I love. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, it says your name is there. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are connected to this inheritance. <laughs> That's Jesus. All that he has, you have. But you need to remember, your name is listed, not because, again, of what you've accomplished. Rather, it's because of the generosity and grace of the one who's included you. Jesus came to you as a baby, in order to make you an heir of his kingdom. That's what Paul says again in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. And that's the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Man, that is sealed, it's firmed, it's sure that you are his. He's claimed you. So what has he done for us? Well, he's done a few things more for us in this passage of scripture. Something else in verse 13, it says that Jesus came to rescue you. I love all these terms because they have everything to do with my well-being. I mean, when you talk about receiving an inheritance, when, when, you, when you talk about all of these things, being rescued, I love that because I know I need to be rescued. You see, when, when you know you need to be rescued, you appreciate the grace and salvation of Jesus Christ uh, more than ever. You really do. Jesus came to rescue you. It's interesting what we're rescued from. Notice what the scripture says here. I thought this was interesting. Here, it's that theme again, the one that we're using and following and embracing this Christmas season. He came to rescue us from darkness. Paul says, from the dominion of darkness. That's a powerful term there. What he's saying is, he's saying this, where darkness rules, where the tyranny of darkness exists, you're being brought out of that. You're being rescued. So when you look around, <clears throat> where do you see supreme darkness? Well, the Bible says that we'll see it in the world that we live in. I mean, just the things that we see and hear and witness today, the tyranny of darkness rules in so many people's lives and so many communities. And the Bible says here that Jesus, when he came, he came to rescue you from the tyranny of that darkness, from the darkest of dark. Um, every other year, and many of you have gone, we go to Israel and we take the tour of the Holy Land. And one of, uh, one of our favorite places is we go to Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's the tunnel that was built by King Hezekiah years and years ago. And it was to bring in a water source in case there was a siege on the city of Jerusalem. And, and so we, we walk it. It's about a half mile long, and, and, uh, and, it, and it is dark. If you've ever been through there, you know what I'm talking about. It's dark. It's kind of cramped. The water's about up to your thighs, at least mine. Dave, it's up to your ankles, probably my thighs, your ankles. But you uh, and Dave's been through it. And so we just kind of walk through it. And I, I typically ask to lead the group. And I don't do it because I'm courageous, heroic. I just get a little claustrophobic, and I don't want to be the guy stuck in the back, you know. <laughs> so I just beg my wife, please, let me lead this group. Please, let me lead this group. And uh, typically what we'll do is we'll get out ahead of everybody, maybe five or six of us. We'll get out ahead of the whole group. And I said, okay, everybody stop. And I want you to do this. Turn off your headlamp. Turn off your light. It is the darkest of the dark that you can be in. You, you, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. It is pitch dark. And oftentimes when we do that, I, I think about this passage of Scripture that so often there are people, many of us and me as a former cave dweller in the dark. I mean, that's the way the life, my life was before Jesus. It was just so, it's so dark. You, you can't see where you're going. You're just stumbling along. You're just feeling your way through. And, and you can even hear, it's palpable, because when those lights go out in that tunnel, <clears throat> you can hear that, that almost that panic, you, you know, that panic, the anxiety, the anxiety that we feel in the world today. There's that anxiety of it's, it's so dark so dark but then for that darkness to go away it only takes 
one life. It doesn't take ten. It doesn't take five. It only takes one. And so we light one light. And the, the relief, <laughs> the relief in the tunnel, you can hear, oh, good, boo, that was scary. It was. But the light came on. It just takes one, not a bunch, but one. Imagine when there are many lights shining in the darkness. Imagine when we shine our lights in the community that we're part of. Darkness has no chance. Darkness is dispelled by light, and Jesus is the light of the world. And so what we are celebrating, what we herald as this angel did before the shepherds is good news for all of us because we've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness. And then there's one last thing. Again, I told you I love these phrases, and this is one I, I, I really like. It tells us here that Jesus came for us. Jesus came to redeem you. Uh, just remember that in verse 14. That's what it says here. It says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> when someone is redeemed, they're given worth. They're given value. No matter what the world says about you or the things that were said about you in your past, um, those that didn't care for you, those family members that spoke illy of you, those, those horrible situations where you were told you were something that you really weren't, you were bullied, whatever that might be, Jesus has come to redeem you because he sees that value, that worth in you. Redemption and forgiveness, I think, for me, is the leading motivation behind Jesus coming for you. Is he knew we needed to be redeemed. He, he saw our value. He saw our worth. And he came for us. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person some might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. While we were still wandering, while we were still doing our own thing, Christmas is about a good news message that you've been redeemed, that you can be forgiven. Jesus came to redeem and forgive. He gives us new life. It's a clean slate. It's a, it's a fresh start. I love John chapter 1. We were, have been studying the, the book of John, the gospel of John up till just a few weeks ago, but the message version, version says this. It says, he moved into our neighborhood. I like that. <laughs> Makes it really personal. And the message version says, when Jesus came, it was so personal, he came into your neighborhood. Right? He lived among us. He took upon himself the form of flesh. And that, that is really what the prophet Isaiah continues to repeat over and over again. What he says is Emmanuel meaning God is with us, God is dwelling with us. God has landed in your neighborhood, <laughs> and he's among you, and his presence is real. And his presence is real for you today. Whenever there's despair, whenever there's a lack of hope, remember the words that have been spoken over and over in God's word, and that is he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. You might even be asking, Ron, why do you say that so many times? Because in the original language, when it's stated, it's meant to be repeated five times 
over and over and over again. Why is that? Because we forget. We forget. We forget going about our business and our daily activities and the busyness of life. Oftentimes we feel and we find ourselves isolated. We find ourselves alone. And Jesus wants you never to forget that his presence is real, that his presence is alive in our lives. His presence is here today. And his presence is made real in you through the power of his Holy Spirit. That's what the word just said here. That the Holy Spirit is that seal, that promise of something great to come. And that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. We've been claimed by him. So you have been qualified. You have been claimed. You've been rescued. And you have been redeemed. You can't find your way out of that one. God sensed you in. He secured you and made it possible for us to have this relationship with Jesus Christ that it would be impossible without his life, his death, and his resurrection. I often think of it this way. I think that if I would have been the only person on the face of this earth and needed salvation, that Jesus would have come to me. Because it says so. It says when he was on the cross, the joy that was set before him. You remember that scripture in Hebrews? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the pain and the shame of the cross. Who, what was that joy spoken of there? It was you. It was you. God is dying on the cross for you. <laughs> and he remembers you. He knows you by name. That's what I like. You see, and I'm going to close with this. You can tell somebody all day long you love them. You can write them notes that you love them but really what makes a difference is when you go to them and you stand in front of them present physically in front of them and you say I love you that's when we know that love is real because love came to us love met us and love did a work for us that's the gift that's the joy of Christmas and that when you leave this place, you just need to remember you have been qualified. You have been claimed. You have been rescued and you have been redeemed in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm going to pray. Would you bow your head? For those that are online, you can pray with us as well. And for those that are in this room, we just want the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ to be yours. That the presence of Jesus would be real in your life. In the name of Jesus, that he will never leave you. He will never, ever forsake you. Hold on to that today. Remember that today. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come and just celebrate Christmas. That it is a Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad. It is a happy nativity. It is everything and more that the angel claimed it to be. It's good news. For all who embrace, all that hear. Father, I just pray as this season goes by and the days stand before us that there would be these moments of unexpected visitation of your Holy Spirit in our lives. That we would just embrace what you're doing, but you would just show up. And, and because of your great grace and great love for us, we're 
given something we don't deserve, but we certainly need. And we ask that you would do that in all of our lives. And we just thank you. We thank you that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Lord, be with us in the days to come. Still with heads bowed and eyes closed. If, if you're here this morning or online, you're hearing this message. It is kind of simple. It was meant to be that way today. Um, it was meant to be that way because it's an invitation as well. That if you are at a place right now in your life that you want to come to faith in Jesus Christ, to believe in Jesus, you can do that. Maybe you've been teetering on the fence. I, I know I did that. I know what that's like. But today is a day where a commitment can be made. A yes is in order. A yes to Jesus and his salvation. And if you want to do that, if you want to uh, accept, receive Jesus in your heart, just where you are, would you lift your hand? I'm not going to call you out. I will not embarrass you. I just want you to lift your hand as a, um, it's a testament, it's a confession that you need Jesus. Online, you, you can do the same. You can send us a little note online as well but we want we want everyone to, to really know this good news i do i want you to know the good news of jesus christ the life change that takes place when we embrace his good news so father today thank you thank you for your good work and your will be done in us in jesus name we pray and we say amen thank you for listening Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.